0: To oh, a oh, You're Justin Madden's got the sit, one hand.
1: Oh, oh, oh. oh the post is broken. Is in it. Oh, talk about a he Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your football life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. And thank you very much. If you follow this, and thousands of you do across Australia, and in fact the globe via the net, you would realise that last week we had my dear friend Robert Walls in the studio face-to-face, and we're continuing on on today with part two of that particular interview. The VFL-AFL is a wonderful Australian game, and thousands of men have played the game at this, the highest level. Some play and move on. Others have more of an impact, and a select few make a lasting impression that will be indelibly recorded in the history of the game forever. Such is today's guest who played so many of those wonderful games at Carlton for all those premierships, but now we leave Carlton, Robert Walls, and we go back to the time where you said, climbing into your car outside Princess Park, I don't want to play for the Blues anymore, which is a bit like me saying, I don't want to go fishing anymore. Tell us the lead up to it, the thoughts in your mind, who you spoke to and how did the next impossible thing for Brassi leaving Melbourne saw Walls leaving Carlton. Tell us about it. Well, Rex, um, it was 1978
0: and Carlton had a new coach come in and that was Ian Stewart. And I was captain. I'd been captain the, uh, the year before. And uh, over the pre-season, everything went fine. We played the opening game against Richmond at the MCG. Carlton got hammered by 10 goals. And uh, Ian was filthy on that result, called off the after-match function that we had booked. And then at training on the Monday night, he called me over, and uh, just the two of us, and he said to me, you didn't try, and uh, I was incensed by that. And uh, I said to I said to Ian, "Don't you tell me that I didn't try? I've been here for I've been here for thirteen, fourteen years. You've been here for five minutes. So don't give
1: me that." Wow! And um, this is Ian Stewart, the absolute he's a legend of the AFL, three time Brownlow medalist, dual Premiership player, and that to me shows guts, or uh, you're an idiot.
0: Yeah, well, I was I was furious that he would say that to me. Oh,
1: fair enough. Good enough. And
0: uh, then, as as captain, I was part of the match committee, which selected the teams. And uh, he told me not to bother coming to uh, to match committee meetings. And uh, I'd played centre-half forward for the previous 10, 11 years. And uh, I was selected to play in the back pocket for the next three or four weeks. And Stewie never spoke to me. It was just, well, you're in the back pocket and that's that. So it was obvious that uh, he didn't want me there and in those days you could go to another club before the mid-season and um, I walked in, I'd made up my mind, well, if I'm not wanted, why stay? And uh, I was not enjoying my football and I remember walking into training on the Tuesday night and I went up to Jack Rout, who was our chairman of selectors, lovely fellow. I'd known Jack since I was 15 when I first went to Carlton and I said to Jack, I have to go because you have to support the new coach. I understand that. And Jack, he had tears rolling down his cheeks at that stage and we shook hands and I went out to the car park. I didn't talk to any of my teammates. They mm. had they had no idea. Mm. And I got in the car and uh, and I drove home. And it was uh, an inglorious way to exit a club that I'd loved and, and been a strong part of for so long. But, look, these things happen and... Today, Ian Stewart and I are friends, we're mates, and uh, we, we made our peace years ago, but at the time it hurt, and uh, I can remember sitting home and I thought, well, I'll wait for the phone to ring and see which club I'll choose to go to. Mm. The um, phone didn't ring, uh, Rex, for no, a long time.
1: It didn't. Um, I've just got to take a backward step, and uh, I hope I don't uh, you know, betray your confidence, but I reckon I was party to that the moving on process at a place down on the Bayside, which is called my home uh, in the company of Stan Elves and myself uh, by the fire one Sunday afternoon uh, is that an accurate uh, account of uh, of the final step of finally burying the hatchet? Oh uh,
0: no it's not Rex and I, I know you're, you're talking about us having a social day and and stewie being there a couple of years back no this is funny actually because let
1: me be the judge of that robert okay
0: (laughs) from from that day on i was pretty dirty on ian oh really and um years went by years went by and so that was 1978 Let's fast forward to uh, 1991. So mm. we're talking about 13 years. I hadn't spoken to Ian in that 13 years. And I'm coach of the Brisbane Bears at this stage. And I pull up. You know I like a pie. Yeah. And I pulled up at the Yatala Pie Shop, which is halfway between the Gold Coast and Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And the pies are that good. You have to queue up. So I'm in the queue. I look behind me. And there four people back is Ian Stewart. And I go, like, God. I knew he was living in Queensland at yeah, it's the time, at Runaway Bay, I think. Yeah, yeah, but just a chance meeting. Cut a long story short, I got my pie, he got his pie. We sat down and we chatted. Wow. Well, we ate our pies, and uh, he said to me, "Tell me, tell me what happened back then." And I, I told him as I've just told you, and and he said, "Look," he said, "I wasn't uh, at my best at that time." Because actually, when I left Carlton, Stewie left about three weeks later. Mm. Um, Anyway, again, cut a long story short, his son, Ben... I invited Ben to come and train with the Bears and Stewie would come and watch Ben train and we, we would regularly talk because there were not many people up in Brisbane who I could talk football with mm. and I respected his, his football opinion and his nows. So, no no so,
1: pressure on Ben because his father is an AFL legend and three, oh. three-time 3 Brown yeah. medallist, but what pressure is on him. Yeah,
0: and a delightful young man.
1: Too right, and still is.
0: Yeah, Anyway, that, that's when Stewie and I made our piece, and uh, and we've bumped into each other a few times since then. And um, yeah, but and of course, as you well know, he's he's had a lot of <coughs> hardship to go through uh, in recent times with his his
1: and daughter. And passing. that's what I want anyway. to talk about. We could talk about the coaching. We could talk about things with John Elliott. We can talk about you taking the spot of a man with no surname called Noel Gordon, who was uh, president of the Brisbane Bears. Our time with Tobin Brothers celebrating the football life of Robert Walls has come. Do you think you will take your last breath and not having cleared the air with Kevin Sheedy? Oh, we're okay. We're, we're okay. Okay is not okay. No. Do you? Would you like to finally meet Sheedy in social circumstances without? What's in the back of yours and his brain, which is pin brain? When are we going to see the two greats move on and enjoy each other's company? And we might do it uh, over a red uh, by a beautiful fire. Rex, we're okay. We're not great. but uh-huh. we're okay. So I can work on it, can I? You can work because on it. Because you know that he introduced Lynn and I and yes. I and I owe him yeah. and I owe you. And I just think you should one day understand what a delightful man he is, and you should understand uh, he should understand what a delightful man you are. I'm serious about that. Now yeah. let's get to the serious stuff. Out there there's people not travelling that well. Tell us when your wife says I'm in all sorts of trouble here, I have a terminal illness, tell us about what goes through your mind about Mm. her, Erin, your children and yourself because people out there need help because you never forget but you can actually move on. Rex, uh, Erin died of
0: lung cancer and that was um, nine years ago. It was 10 years ago that she was diagnosed, and it came out of the blue. She had this little cough, and it was, it was like
1: a... <coughs> can we stop you right here and now, and can we answer yes or no to my question? Was she a smoker of cigarettes? No. Continue, please.
0: So it came out of the blue. Um, she had this little cough, and it was persistent, and, um, and finally her doctor said we should get a, a lung x-ray. And uh, when that was done, I, again, I didn't take too much notice of it um but she came back from uh the x-ray and uh, she said i've been told i've got lung cancer and it just absolutely flattened us because we were going along okay we had three grown-up kids um one little granddaughter at that stage and 12 months later erin was gone she had chemotherapy she had radiation she had wonderful support from family and friends um but even towards the end, Rex, when she, I don't know, i maybe I just didn't want to accept it, but mm. even when she went into palliative care, I can remember thinking, she, she can get through this. Mm. Um, and then I can remember being told, she may not live more than seven days and it was four days
1: then you don't think about it but then you realize that erin's not part of your life anymore but the memories are just so warm particularly when you're down at what stage did you accept the fact that you had to move on and perhaps just perhaps you might find love and peace and happiness again in your life
0: I read books on grieving and, um, and and everybody grieves differently and and the length that you can have your, your grief can, can vary greatly, but generally it's considered that, you know, the first six or nine months are the hardest. Um, I had wonderful support from family and friends and people wrote letters. And and let me say this to, to people who are listening. If, if, if you feel that you need to contact someone who's not in the best of health or someone who's lost one, do it. Do it, do it, do it. I have kept every letter uh, that came, every card that came, and everyone meant so much to me that people felt as they did about uh, about my gorgeous wife because uh, it, it helps you get through that, that period. But I got to a stage where... After maybe six or seven months, I thought, you know, life goes on. I've got these three kids. I've got a granddaughter. I don't want them to see me and feel sorry for me and feel they've got to ring me every day. I don't want that. They've got their lives to lead and they need to know that the old man's going okay. So you know, I got involved in my golf and I got involved in my work. I was doing work with you and commentary and writing and I buried myself in my work. And and there were many days during Erin's illness and not long after she passed away, I'd be feeling dreadful when I would drive to the MCG and I didn't want to be there and uh, I didn't want to write a column. But when I got out of the car, I slammed the door and I said, right, for the next... Five hours, six hours, mm. you're on. You yeah. switch on. And you've got to be on because you've got to be on for the people that you work with and the people that you deal with because they'll give you sympathy and they'll give you understanding, but they can't do it forever.
1: And those days started as a short, skinny kid on a tram in, uh, in Brunswick. Relays and stations, join us after the break as we continue the fascinating story of one of AFL's greatest Robert Walls. Yabler! You're listening to this is your football life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to this is your football life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Great to be here with my dear friend Robert Walls, a legend of Australian football, and as far as I'm concerned, president of the Good Mates when you're in the poo company. He is just an absolute gem. Now, uh, tell us about your coaching career, particularly the successful reign at Carlton. Difficult going back to coach blokes who probably some of them were young mates when you were there and you left, but tell us about it, Carlton unlike now, would never, ever accept second best?
0: Uh, well, in those days, that's right, Rex, but uh, it's changed now. And uh, I think Carlton were a bit slow to realise that you had to rely on the draft and you had to develop your players. But anyway, let's hope they can get it right. I'd coached at Fitzroy for five years. After the fourth year, I got a phone call from John Elliott, who I didn't know because in all my days at Carlton whilst I was playing, he, he was in America at that, at that time. And he asked to meet me. I met him and he said, I want you to coach Carlton. I said, I've got a year to go on a contract at Fitzroy. He said, don't worry about that. We can fix that. I said, no, we can't fix it because I've got a year to go on a contract at Fitzroy. And a deal's a deal. A deal's a deal. So I remember getting in the car, driving home and thinking, I've just knocked back the Carlton coaching job. And, um, anyway, the next year, the fifth year that I coached at Fitzroy, we didn't have a very good year. And all through that year, I can remember thinking, well, (laughs) I've blown the opportunity to go back to the Blues as a coach. Hmm. As it turned out, Carlton lost its, I think it's two finals. It played in two finals in uh, in 1985 and shows how ruthless they are because David Parkin was coach and he'd coached them to premierships 81-82. Anyway, I get another phone call. And it was John Elliott, and he said, I want to meet you again. So I met with him, and Ian Collins was there, who was the CEO, and Wes Lofts, Chairman of Selectors. And again, he said, we want you to coach the Blues. And um, I agreed to a three-year contract, and I can remember them saying to me, don't worry about anyone else, we make all the decisions here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that was... Pretty arrogant. So we work as a team and we do
0: it our way. Exactly. (laughs) And the other thing I can remember Ian Collins saying to me is, you make all your own decisions, but just make sure that three out of four are right. Mm. So I got in the car and I drove home. and, And I guess the other thing that was interesting, when I coached at Fitzroy, there was bonus money for this, 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 and that. And at Carlton, as a coach in my contract, there was only one bonus money, and that was if the club won a premiership. So yeah. the expectations were that you play finals, you get in the grand final, and if you win the premiership, well, we'll give you a little bit extra. Well, you
1: did that, and all of a sudden, uh, things were going rosy until Warwick Capper, with his uh, left nut hanging out of his tight shorts, <laughs> put you to bed, literally, uh, at the northern end uh, of, uh, of Princess Park. Well, let's go back and talk about the good days, Rex. <laughs>
0: Uh, the first year, we lost the grand final. The second year, we won the grand final. The third year, we finished third. Mm. And the fourth year, I got the flick at about the 10th game of the season. And that was when Kappa kicked, yeah. kicked the only goal in his life from outside 50 That's metres it, yeah. to sink us by about four points. So it wasn't meant to be. wasn't meant to be. And, uh, yeah, and I, I remember Lofsey rang me on the Monday morning and said, uh, I want to meet you at my place. So I said to Erin, my wife, I said, there's no doubt that they're going to sack me. And uh, I drove over to his place in Hawthorne. It was about 10 o'clock on a Monday morning. I looked up the driveway. There was Ian Collins' car. And uh, I walked in the front door and Lofsie sat me down, just the two of us, and he said, "Uh, we're in a bit of strife. I said, we or me? (laughs) He said, uh, well, they want the... uh, they want to get rid of him, and I said to him, "I said, is that Ian Collins' car in your driveway?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, where's Ian?" Mm. And he got a bit embarrassed and and he shuffled and he said, "Oh, he's down in the kitchen." I said, "Well, you tell him to come here." So Colo came up into the room and Colo said to me, "He said, uh, we want you to resign." I said, "I'm not going to resign." I said, "If you had any balls, you'd sack me." Mm. So he said, "You sacked." <laughs> And that was it. <laughs> Honestly, that it was as simple as that. So that's it. And I got in the car and I drove, put the phone on. I rang my wife. I said, yeah, they've sacked me. So pretty ruthless uh. because, as I said, there was a second, a first, a third, and then I was sacked. Wow. I was too hard on the players. Uh. I, and, and I think I deserved to be sacked looking back on it. But I've got to say I was devastated. And, I, and I, I just felt as if I was a failure. I felt embarrassed for my family. My kids had to go to school the next day. And I thought, gee, they're going to get... Get a hard time, and uh, and basically for the next four or five months, I became a recluse. I mm. didn't I didn't leave the house because yeah. I just felt so bad. And uh, I got a phone call from Teddy Winton. Go on, and Teddy uh, and Barass rang me as well. But Teddy Teddy just said, "Welcome to the club."
1: Yeah, the sack coaches club. Well, exactly
0: and, uh, and 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 baras said to me hey we all get knocked down it's all about picking yourself up that's important mm. and from and from that point and i needed to get those phone calls because i'd been getting some offers to talk here and do a coaching session at this mm. club or that club and i'd said no to it all i made up my mind from that point on i would say no i wouldn't say no to anything i'd go and do everything so i put myself out there and i think that was really good and my wife of course said hey you should you shouldn't feel sorry for yourself you you look back over your career you've been involved in it at that stage at 25 years amazing you might have had two bad ones but 23 pretty good ones so you know get off your bum and
1: and get out there and start again I know that you've got mixed feelings, but do you have some warm feelings that some of the greatest players in the history of the game and for the Brisbane Lions started their careers under you when you coached the Bears and uh, Lee Matthews uh, moulded them together and became the most ruthless uh, uh, outfit since Melbourne of the 50s and 60s? Rex, it's one of the
0: great uh, pleasures and joys of my life that I was a part of. I'm not saying I was a big part, but I was a part of Brisbane Bears becoming going from the laughing stock of oh. the competition to maybe the best team of all time when they won those three flags. Because, you know, Ackermanus, Voss, Lappin, Lepich, the Scots, Ashcroft, White, I coached all those boys
1: when they were teenagers. This is Robert Walls, and I've got so much to cram into the few moments that are left. For the new breed of uh, comments people coming through, you know, like Drew Petrie will come on nicely, Wayne Carey, Matthew Lloyd, the big hairy cat, who blames me for calling the big hairy cat Cameron Moody. I remember you said that. Yeah. Yeah. What what have you got to say to them if they're concerned about criticising someone who they deem a mate?
0: Well, don't be involved in the media because you've got to give your audience an honest account of what you think, an honest opinion. And if that means that you're going to be critical of an ex-teammate, an ex-coach, well, that's the way that it is. And, and realise that those people have got to be good enough, to, big enough to accept criticism.
1: The last one is a personal one. I believe from the outside looking in that you actually fell out of love with football. And the public eye, and you move to the south of France. Has this been the making of you, and and Julie, by making this hard decision that you knew had to be made? Rex, I'd had enough of footy. I was into my sixties.
0: Uh, I'd sick of getting on aeroplanes to go here, there, and everywhere. I've got six terrific grandkids who I didn't see enough of, and I just thought it's time to give footy away. So. We thought, let's go to France for a year. We were there for 14 months. My grandkids all came over, and we spent lots of time with them. And it was just a really nice break, a refresher, and a lovely part of the world over there. Julie, my partner, she really enjoyed it. So much so, we bought a place, and we intend to spend three, four months a year there from now on. Melbourne's always going to be home. But also, having been out of it for, say, 15 months and coming back to Melbourne just recently, it's made me appreciate that... I want to see footy and I want to be around my old footy mates.
1: Do you appreciate the modern game or do you yearn for some characters or a good old-fashioned torp, or a Mm -hmm. bit of biffo because the crowd still love it? The AFL seem intent on moving in this politically correct atmosphere that we've all become weaklings in society and... uh, Would you like to see the game spiced up a bit? Because after all, uh, they're only gladiators, aren't they? Well, they are,
0: but uh, they're they're robotic in so many ways. And it it saddens me to hear that most of the players don't get a great deal of joy out of being professional footballers. I'm
1: like you. I couldn't get to training quick enough.
0: Yeah, I know. But now they're they're at training every day. They've got meetings every day. They've got diet restrictions. They they can't do this. They can't do that. So we don't have the personalities of the past and the great Teddy Wittons and... Ron Barassi's and uh, Carl Dittrich's,
1: unfortunately, uh, they're not there. When the game is written in its entirety, Robert Walls will take his rightful place as one of the greats of the game both on and off the field. And this has been a real thrill for me to have my dear friend, similar to my dear friend Stanley Elves, and all my other friends that I've made throughout my game. But this is very special to have Robert on. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope if you're not travelling that well that you've got something out of it. Because in the Shawshank Redemption, which is Robert Walls' favourite film, read as he walked down the main street of Buxton looking for Andrew DeFray, who swam through a mile of excreta to freedom. He said, there's nothing more lonely than a man without hope. And hope can make you a better person overnight. Thanks for joining us. He's Robert Walls. I'm Rex Hunt. That was The Football Life of Robert Walls.